Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're turning to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter number 3. Starting a new series of messages. Probably somehow concluding the last series of messages on building blocks of faith. I think one of the things we could use as a building block of faith is we could love live and long for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3, I want to begin reading in verse 1 if you would stand to your feet. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were, from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holiness, in all holy conversation and godliness? Boy, I could keep reading, but I'll stop right there. From these verses, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 and then some, I want to preach on this thought. The promise of his coming. The question was asked in verse 4. Where is the promise of his coming? Lord, would you help us to preach the word of God today? Lord, empty us of self. Cleanse us of sin. Fill us with your spirit. I know you won't feel a dirty vessel. Help us then, Lord, I pray, to be purged, clean, meat for the master's use. Use us today, God. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Speak to our hearts. Teach us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, we ask your help. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. 
preaching a series entitled The Second Coming of Jesus Christ. The question is asked, where is the promise of his coming? Verse 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Look with me now very closely at verse 9. It's not promises, plural. It's promise, singular. Now, of course, the Lord is not slack regarding any of his promises, but the promise here of the second coming is singled out, if you will. I am convinced that what you and I think about the second coming of Jesus will affect your life. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We know the Lord is coming back. Are y'all like me when, when Gina and I know that company is coming to our house, we tend to clean a little more than we normally do because company is coming over. Some of y'all nodding your head like, yeah, we do that too, preacher Darren. We probably would have picked up a little better if we knew company was coming. Well, I have a word for you today. Jesus is coming. And you might as well go ahead and be expecting him at any point and any time. The Bible said in verse 3 that in the last days there shall be scoffers. Do you see that? There shall come scoffers in the last days. They're questioning. They're saying, where is the promise of his coming? Now, the second coming of Jesus is in stages. I cannot find a verse of scripture. I cannot find a passage anywhere that would keep the Lord from returning to rapture home the church, to remove the church off this face of this earth right now. I can't find a verse. If you can find one, see me when the service is over because I want to know. There's not a verse that hinders him from coming right now. On the earth, tribulation. In heaven, judgment seat of Christ. In heaven, we'll be there seven years. Marriage, supper of the Lamb. Then the Lord's are coming back after that seven years. The, the, the second coming of the Lord is in stages. There are some, get this in your mind before I preach, there are some that say that the second coming of Jesus is when a saint dies. Although he does come for them in death, that is not the second coming of the Lord that is referred to here. There are some that told me, that said, Pastor Darren, I want you to know the second coming is when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost. If that's true, why are many of these promises of his second coming after Pentecost? If he says he's coming but he's already came, something's wrong with that picture. And I've had some people say, well, not just at the saint's death or at the Spirit's coming at Pentecost. Some have said, well, I believe that that second coming of Jesus is at salvation. I want to clear this up right now. At salvation, Jesus came to live in my house. But with the second coming, he's going to take me to live in his house. So that's two different things. Preacher Darren, then where is the promise of his coming? You got your Bible lifted up. Lift it up all over this church. Let the camera scan around just for a second. 
Look at all these Bibles in here. You know what the promise of his coming is? It's right here, thank God, in his precious word. Amen. When the Bible speaks of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a literal, visible, bodily return of Jesus. Number one, his promise is in the book. This book is filled with the promises of the second coming of Jesus Christ. If this morning you do not believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ, you either don't believe the Bible or you've never read it. For time's sake, I am not going to mention any of these references out of the Old Testament. I'm staying in the New. Bible 101, Matthew 16, 27. And I'm going to try to stay mostly after Pentecost in a minute. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. You know what? It's in His book. He said He's coming again. If He said it one time, that's good enough. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 44. I love to hear your pages turning. This is wonderful. Matthew 24, verse 44. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Where is the promise of His coming? It's in His book. John chapter 14, just for sake of time. John chapter 14, verse number 1. You could quote it to me this morning. I'm certain of that. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that ye may be where I am, or that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Look at that word if. It's a conditional clause. If I go, if I prepare. Well, here's the question. Did Jesus, who was born on this earth, it's verified in history, did Jesus, who was born on this earth, did he go to heaven? after he died on the cross, after he was buried, after he rose again. Acts chapter 1. Let's just see what the book says. Acts chapter 1. He said, and if I go, let's, did he go? Acts chapter 1. And in verse number 9, did Jesus go to heaven as he said he would? Acts chapter 1, verse number 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Did he go? Yes, he did. Is he coming? 
Yes, he is. How do you know? It's in his book. Amen. Well, preacher Aaron, you said if he goes. Well, what about if he prepares? I'm glad you asked that. Revelations chapter number 21. Revelations chapter number 21. Did he prepare? He's gone to heaven and he's preparing that new Jerusalem for you and I to live in. Is he prepared? Oh, yes. He says, if I go and I, if I prepare, I will come again. Revelation 21 verse 2. And I, John, the same John that was writing to us about John 14 verse 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. And I, John, so the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. If he goes, yes, he went. Is he prepared? He's preparing. Is he ready? Probably. He's very close, youngins, to come get us again. Let me just give you some things after Pentecost. Not all, just some things. You might want to jot these down because I'm getting ready to go fast now. Philippians 3.20. For our conversation, I'm going to turn there. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Youngins, he is coming. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, some years ago I preached all the way through verse by verse and in every chapter, all five chapters, it mentions the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'll just give you two of them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and in verse number 10, to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians, turn there with me. Chapter 4, verse 13. We might anchor here a minute. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse number 13. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. One preacher told me there's a lot of people in the church nowadays and he believes that the biggest congregation of the biggest percentage of the church is the ignorant brethren because they're not standing on the promises of God. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died, I do, and rose again, I do, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with a trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Where is the promise of His coming? It's in His book. Amen. Now we're going to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter 9. What a great chapter. Hebrews chapter 9. 
You know, in verse 27, it's that verse that says, It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Amen. But look at verse 28. Oh, what a verse. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Preacher Darren, how do you know he's coming? He told us. It's in the book. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, you're close. Look at verse number 37. Hebrews 10, 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Preacher, how do you know? It's, you're going to help me preach in a minute. It's in his book. The book of James, chapter number 5. Book of James. I'm not even hitting them all. I'm just hitting a few. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he hath received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Amen. First John chapter 2 verse 28. Preacher Darren, where do you get the promise of his coming? It's in his book. If it were not so, he would have told us. And I want to say this, if it is so, he has told us over and over and over again. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, Preacher Darren, I'm getting your drift until everybody says amen. I'm not getting off this thought. 1 John 2, 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. While you're close, look at chapter 3, verse number 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see, Lord our God, we shall see him as he is. Woo! Preacher, where are you getting this? It's in his book. I've been preaching a lot out of the book of Jude. Let me read out of Jude. Jude 1, verse number 14. Jude 1, not chapter 2. There's not a chapter 2. Jude 1, verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Youngins, he's coming. He told us so. Revelations chapter 3. Verse number 11, Preacher Darren, I knew you was going to Revelation sooner or later. I know it's getting later, amen. But I'm, I just want to read a couple out of Revelation. I could anchor here all day. Revelations 3, verse number 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Jesus said again to John, I am coming, amen. 
chapter 22, chapter 22, I'm trying to go fast. Chapter 22 and in verse number 12, 22 verse 12, one time the preacher over in Madison County, he had his notes prepared and they didn't have no air conditioning in those days. He had a window open behind him, behind the pulpit and a gust of air. He kept preaching on, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. And a gust of wind came through that window and grabbed his notes and blew them out to the audience and landed there by the front row where a bunch of ladies was a-sitting. And all he could remember was, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. And he got to rocking back and forth. And he thought, I'm just going to take a run and jump and pick up my notes. Behold, I come quickly. And he jumped and they had this banister around the pulpit. And he stubbed his toe as he jumped over it. And it flipped him down. And he hit the floor and stumbled into those ladies' laps. And he said, ladies, I'm sorry. They said, we should have been ready. You told us three times, behold, I come quickly. Amen. Youngest, he's coming. Amen. Revelations chapter 22, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Look at verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. The next word is amen. Woo. I don't know if John said it, somebody else said it, but thank God I agree with it. Even so, come quickly. Amen. Even so come, he says, Lord Jesus. There are many other references of the scriptures, but I am so sure of those promises. I'll stake all my life. I'll stake all my hope. I'll stake my death, my judgment. I'll stake my eternity on the fact that this life is not all there is to it. Jesus is coming. Hallelujah to God. Amen. One day he will come and one day we will go. Amen. Boy, I'm about to quit preaching there. Let's keep going. Second Peter chapter 3. Go back to our text now. Second Peter chapter 3. Where do we get it, preacher? It's in his book. I'm going to preach it again if y'all don't get with me. It's in his book. Now let me say this about his promise. His promise, number two, his promise cannot be broken. Verse 9 again. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Did you realize this morning that we live in a scoffing world? Verse 3 told us, didn't it? Look at verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. Verse 4, they're going to say, where is the promise of his coming? They scoff at what we preach. They scoff at the idea of God. They scoff at the idea of Israel. They scoff at the idea of a rapture. They scoff at the idea of a judgment. They scoff at the idea of hell. They scoff at the idea of the second coming of Jesus. But may I say this? Every scoffer is a sign of the coming of Jesus. They're playing right into his head. The more they scoff, the more the word of God is true that in the last days, and we're in them, scoffers will come. Amen. May I say this? They're those that are going to laugh their way into hell, but they'll not laugh their way out. 
You can scoff if you wish. You can scoff if you want. You can send me hate mail. You can do all this stuff you want to do or send me hate emails. But our world is a scoffing world with comedians, late night comedians, comedians during the early morning hours, comedians during the day, making fun of Bible-believing Christians. Let them scoff. The more they scoff, the more the Word of God is true. We live in a scoffing world. We live in a sinning world. Look with me again at verse 3. In the last days, we know there's going to come scoffers, comma, walking after their own lusts. Why do they scoff? Because they walk in their lusts, their sinful ways, and their sinful pleasures. You show me someone who ridicules the Word of God and the things of God, I'll show you someone who has the devil's initials carved on their heart. Every time you find a scoffer, you find someone who's going after their own lusts, who's living in a sinful lifestyle every time. Not only is it a scoffing world, not only is it a sinning world, it is a sentenced world. This world has a sentence. Verse 7 says that it is reserved unto fire. This world as we know it is reserved for fire. Ooh, preacher, I don't believe you. I don't believe he's coming again. I don't believe this world's going to burn like he says. I don't believe. Well, let's just think for a second, okay? You might want to write this down if you believe in keeping score. The past world was destroyed by flood. Science has proved. You tell me how on top of Mount Everest, you tell me how there's seashells up there. So somebody went up there and hiked and threw them down. No, no, no. It was covered by water. God, science, modern science has proved there wasn't just a, a, a local flood. It was a worldwide flood. This world had water covered it because man took God's created world and we corrupted it with our sinful lifestyles and God said, I'm going to destroy it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, Mrs. Noah, Noah's sons and their wives had enough faith to get on board that boat and God shut them in with all the animals as well, male and female of every kind. And there for 40 days and 40 nights, God opened the windows of heaven and he destroyed everything that is with a flood. When Noah preached, you better get right with God. Jesus is going to send a flood. You better get right with God. He's coming. They laughed. They scoffed. They made fun of him. But suddenly something from the sky began to fall that they'd never felt before. What is this on my brow? What is this on my hands? It's rain. Noah said it was going to rain. Oh, but we don't believe still. And then the water started rising, getting deeper and deeper. And then they started beating on that ark on the door. Noah, we believe you now. Noah, let us see it. Noah, Noah. Can you hear their fingernails scratching at that door, begging Noah to open it? I believe Noah was isolated in there, didn't hear none of their screams, none of their knocks. He couldn't open the door. Because God closed the door. God shut the door. God sealed the door. The world had rejected it and said no. The world scoffed, said he's not coming. And when he did, when he sent the flood, amen, the past world was destroyed by a flood. You can read of it in verse 5 and verse 6. I read it in your hearing. 
What about this present world? This present world is destined for fire. Verse 7, it's reserved unto fire. Verse 10, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Water the first time, fire the second time. This present world is destined for judgment. I've heard people say, how can dirt burn? How can rocks burn? Honey, you look at the nuclear age in which we now live and on top of that, at the power of our God, He can do what He wants to do and this world is reserved for judgment unto fire. What about the perspective world? It's destined for future glory. Oh, look with me in verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. We look at it. We according to what? We according to what? His promise. Woo! There it is again. According to His promise, we look for a new heaven and a new earth. May I just say, if God was ever, and He can't be, but if He was ever tempted to break a promise, it would have been to stop His Son from dying on a cross. But he went through with his word. And he was buried. And he rose again. And honey, because God kept his promise there, he's going to keep his promise now. If he kept that one, you can be sure he'll keep all the rest. I have a verse of scripture for you. Will you hear it? Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not? With him also freely give us all things. If he gave us his son, what would he hold back from you? He gave you the best that he had that you might be saved. So his promise cannot be broken. Thirdly, and I'll be done. We have a promise. It's his promise. His promise you can build on. Now you're in 2 Peter 3 and I'm going to be done. Look at verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be? I want to say three things and I'm done. First of all, you know what manner of person you ought to be? You ought to live for his promise. Live for his promise. Look what he says. In all holy conversation, that word really means the manner of your life. You know, should you live for his promise? You need to look for his promise. You got up this morning. You looked in the mirror. You saw you had eye matter. You saw you had a rooster tail hanging up the back of your head. You needed to take a shower and wash your head. You saw you looked this morning. You, you got in your car. You looked for your car keys. You got you looked for the ignition switch. You, you looked both ways before you pulled out in the highway. You, when you pulled in here to church, you looked for a parking place. When, when you got here, you looked for a pew. When you got here, you looked for a friend. You, you looked for a visitor. You, you, you was looking for which class am I going to go to? Where's, I'm looking for my Sunday school teacher. You're looking at as a preacher here, I'm looking. Honey, I'm telling you, you're looking for all those things. But you need to be looking for him. Have you looked for him to come today? We were playing volleyball Friday night against the school in that church where I preached for 27 years. It's called Bethel Missionary Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina. 
I walked in boys here in the sanctuary and we were in here talking, studying, preaching this message. And one of them said, Preacher Darren, you said something 20 years ago that's always stuck with me when you preached to us. He said, some of y'all, when the rapture takes place, some of y'all are gonna be raptured feet first because you're gonna try to hold on to your car. You just got it paid off and you wanna drive it just a little bit longer. Your house, you almost got it paid for or you just moved into it. I've waited all these years to get in this house and it's a fine time for Jesus to come. You'll be holding onto the key to your, the doorknob at your house. You'll be holding, you just got married. Oh, I wanna spend a lifetime together. You will. You'll be holding on to the things of this world, honey. I'm just, there's a guy. Oh, what is his name? Charlie. Charlie Jones. Tremendous Jones. Tremendous Jones was a very famous speaker. He, in his basement, had a beautiful study. He said, in the basement of my house, I had a study. Had all the pictures of dignitaries that I met. Had all the accolades and, and letters of commendation that people had given me. All the medals and all the awards were hanging on my walls all the way around in my study. And he said, one day we got a flood where I live. And water and mud came into the room. And mud ran down the walls. And mud filled up my basement and ruined everything. All my treasures, all my trinkets had to throw them away. He said, God... What are you doing? These are my valuables, Lord. I've worked so hard to get these things. Oh, Lord, what are you doing? He said, Charlie, I was going to burn them up anyway. Have you ever thought about that? All these things that you work so hard for and that you value, all the things you look, 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 is going to burn up anyway. Amen. The only thing that matters is Jesus. Are you living for him? Are you looking for him? Amen. Glory to God. Look with me. Verse 13. We are looking for new heavens. Verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. You ought to be looking. Last of all, you ought to be longing. You have a desire for his coming? Uh -huh. Oh, preacher Cassidy. What a hero Many of y'all, how many of y'all remember Preacher Cassidy? Amen. Richard Cassidy, back in the day. And I first met him when he came to Spruce Pine. I, I believe his brother Kenneth gave me a little pamphlet or something that, that he had written, a little book he had written. And one night, I read his book in one night. Preacher, it must have been two pages. I said, no, no, it was big. I read it. And I went and I said, listen, is this guy still alive? I said, yeah, I say he is. He lives over here in Swiss Pine Lake. And I thought, man, I got to meet this guy. What a testimony he's had. Evidently, I talked to people in our communion. He was everybody's pastor. If you didn't go to his church, you had it one time or another, or he was in the community. He was there. He loved our community. He prayed for it. Preacher Cassidy was such a blessing to me. He come in here one day, in the old sanctuary, came in, came in on a walker. The next Sunday after I read that book, he came to the front row and sat down, and I said, my name is Preacher Darren Walter. What's your name? He said, Preacher Dick Cassidy. Good to meet you, son. I said, oh, preacher, you're the one who wrote that book. I just read it this week. Would you preach for us today? He said, no. I come to see if you could. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Oh, help me, Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. I got done preaching. Had people saved. He went down that little walker, on down that center aisle. I said, preacher Cassidy, 
Would you come back next Sunday? He said, I come to see if you could preach, son. I said, and? He said, I'll be back next Sunday. And for Sunday after Sunday, y'all remember, he sat with us in the sanctuary here many a time. I would go to his house. I wouldn't knock on his door. He'd say, be like my adopted child, just come on in. Y'all don't know it, but if I had a low moment, I'd go see Preach Casty. I just walk in. Man, he gave me such good advice. One day I walked in there and Preacher, preacher, couldn't be found. I looked, he's sitting in the backyard, had his hat off. He's just looking up to the stars and the sun and the moon and the skies and the heavens. And I walked through the house. His wife had just died and I'd come to see him. He is all by himself at the moment. And I went out in the backyard. I said, preacher, I'm so sorry. He said, son, no wonder God said, our conversation is in heaven. You're seeing today a shell of a man, but my heart is not here. My body is here, but my heart is there. Tears running down his face. He said, son, will you promise me something? I said, to the best of my ability, will you hear me? To the best of my ability, I'll do it. He said, don't ever preach a lie. He said, because I preached a lie. I said, You've what? Preacher, there's no way. If you preach a lie, there's no hope for me. He told how many funerals he had done where the spouse was still living and the other one went off to glory. And he said, I told every one of them that half of you's gone and half of you's here, but it was a lie because no doubt they were all gone and just a shell left here. He said, it's a shell that my children, though I love them, and my grandchildren, how I love them, and my great-grandchildren, though I love them, they can never comfort me the way Jesus can. Will you go back to your church and tell them, son, to live for Jesus? Will you go back and tell them, son, to look for Jesus? Will you go back, all these years later, it came back to me as I said, will you go back and tell them, son, that they ought to be longing for Jesus? They let me be a special Paul, honorable Paul bearer at his funeral when he passed away. I was for his wife too. I, I remember as I carried her casket out, I got down and wiped his feet. The man of God. One day he outstripped us and he went on home to glory too. Brother Dallas Renfro. How many of y'all know Brother Dallas Renfro? He was about everybody's pastor too. One of the greatest pastors in this community has ever been. And Brother Dallas, get tore up. He found the notes in Preacher Cassidy's Bible, a message he had never preached. He said he'd been studying to preach it, and he preached it. Brother Dallas preached it at Brother Cassidy's funeral. It was called My Desire. Are you looking? Are you longing? Do you have a desire? For the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for him to come back with all your heart. Are you looking? Are you longing? Are you seeking his face? I'm just going to say this today, and I'm done. We had a man in this church, Brother Keith McKinney's daddy, Brother Barney. And every time I'd finish preaching, I'd go to the back. And he'd come back there and he'd start singing a song. I could, right now, I'm preaching on the promise. He'd come back there and preach. He'd sing, I guarantee. 
standing on the promises. He sung to me as he left every message I preached. I could not figure, I could not preach a message that he couldn't sing a song for. He prayed for this. He said, Lord, when I die, I want to die shouting. And over at the Bryan Center, when the time came, Keith had called me and said, Daddy's leaving. Could you be with us? I went over there by his bedside. And we waited just a little bit. And all of a sudden, y'all looking at me. Everybody look at me. This, he went. And I looked at Keith. Keith started to weep. He said, Preacher, well, that was beautiful. He said, but he always prayed, I want to die shouting. Why wouldn't God grant his request? I wanted to hear my daddy shout when he left. I said, Keith, I think he did. I said, he exhaled his last breath here. But when you exhale, you inhale. And I think he stepped on the street, escorted by Jesus, and said, Whoa, I made it, praise God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, the place I've dreamed of, the place I've longed for. And he's reunited with all his family and all his loved ones. Boy, this is real. This ain't no pretend. This ain't no gimmick. It ain't no game. It's the most real thing we've ever done. And one day when we stand together, it's been, I sat beside you this morning. I was just sitting there thinking, Lord, what a privilege this has been. I used to get to sit beside my daddy as his associate. It's Pastor Appreciation Day. What a privilege to get to sit beside your boy working together for Jesus in the ministry. Oh, God, thank you for this day. What a blessing it is that God said, just think about the day you're going to have when you gather with him on the street of glory and you bow with your daddy and your granddaddy and all your youngest, you're going to bow and say, Jesus is worthy. He's worthy. Hey, where's the promise of his coming? He's coming, church. He's coming. Oh, I cannot declare it emphatically enough. He's coming. Do you feel me? He's coming. Woo! Yes, even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen. You stand to your feet. Miss Beverly, if you would come this morning and play. Maybe there's somebody here, you want to take him up on his promise. Maybe there's somebody here, you want to thank him for his promise. Maybe there's somebody here, you might want to say, oh God, look at all these things. How can I doubt? Look at all these evidences. Look at all this proof. How can I? God, thank you for that this morning. Thank you for heaven. Thank you I'm going to see mom. Thank you I'm going to see dad. Thank you I'm going to see my spouse. Thank you, God, I want to gather with my children, those that trust. What a plan of salvation, amen. I'm asking you, would you come today and praise him? Thank him a while. I'm sure he's worthy. I'm sure he's worthy of your love. I'm sure he's worthy of your honor. I'm sure he's worthy of your bowing. One more time in this life, said, oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the promise of your coming. If you're watching at home, 
and you've never been saved. I'm telling you, this world's going to burn up. One of these days, if you're without Jesus, He's going to cast your soul in the lake of fire. It's going to be a dreadful, horrible day. Right now, I'm asking you, why don't you bow your knee and call on Jesus and make Him your Lord and Savior. I believe He died. Do you believe that? Do you believe you're a sinner? Why don't you say right now, Lord, I'm a sinner. Tell Him, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Oh, I've done horrible things. I'm so ashamed. Tell Him, Lord, I believe you died for me, though. Tell Him, I believe you was buried, humiliated in death, but I believe you rose again. And you've been knocking on my heart's door. You've been working in my life. Oh, God, would you forgive me and save my soul, oh, God? Would you do this, God, I pray. Save them before it's everlasting too late. God, I thank you today for the work that you're doing around us, God. Thank you for the precious promise of Jesus Christ. He's coming again to receive us back into Himself. God, I love you today. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for your precious promises. God, give us wisdom. God, give us praise. God, give us breath to declare it, God, and magnify that the Lord God, He is God and there is none other. Lord, I love you. God, thank you for what you're doing. Work in our midst, Father, I pray. Bless God. Save the lost. Save and touch our families, God. Convict them, God. Turn them. Help them, God, to have faith. God, save them before it's everlasting too late, God. Get our grand youngins in. Get the wayward in, God. Get them excited about serving Jesus. God, give us a desire to live, to look, and to long for Jesus Christ to come again. Lord, we love you now. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.